0: You, you've talked about anthropologists having the the art of beginner's mind, right. right? Where they look at something and they could see the same thing a thousand times for the first time, right? Um, that really is an art. How do you train that size? So there are probably startups right now that want to try just going out in the yes. field and observing people. And I, I find there are two problems. Like the first is you've got an inherent personal bias, so you right. walk in with some sure. assumptions before you watch anything. Yes. But then the second problem, which I might, actually might argue is a harder problem to solve, which is Um, how do you know what to look for and what to listen for? And how do you know that you've actually found something Mm -hmm. uh, worth paying attention to? Sure.
1: So there's a few questions there. Let me start at the beginning about the beginner's (laughs) mind part, right? And this uh, this is easy... For beginners, right? Yes. So we talk to our, you know, when our, our new team members come on, we will ask them their impressions of things because they, they have beginner's mind by definition. This is hard for the experts, mm-hmm. right? And so when we're dealing with senior people, we'll even just take this on directly and say, look, you're the expert, right? You know more about your company, you know more about your industry than we're ever gonna learn. And for purposes of today, you want to be a good anthropologist today, we need you to set aside some of what you know. And there's actually a, an expression that we use sometimes for this. Um, it's, not, uh, it's not coined by IDEO. We borrowed it from a professor at Stanford who, in turn, borrowed it from a stand-up comedian from a long time ago. But it's still quite a useful um, mental uh, you know, uh, phenomenon. And it's the opposite of deja vu, right? Deja vu is when you've been there you've the feeling you've been there before we want the opposite of that and so we call it day. Nice, and day good. is when you're in a place you've been a million times before like the lobby of your own building or the front page of your own website or things like that and you start to see it with fresh eyes you see it the way a child would see it or a first time customer would see it mm-hmm. and you look for that and you think oh my god look at that you know why do we ask him that question again or why do we make this so difficult mm-hmm. right and if you can practice that a little bit, then you start to see the things. And what we've learned from experience is, first practice it on other people's businesses, right? Because you got a lot of baggage about your own business. You have the curse of knowledge about your own business. So you kind of exercise that muscles looking at other people's business. And then you say, okay, now let's do it on it's Like, aha! Look at that, right? And um, and yes, it it sometimes reveals opportunities really hidden in plain
0: sight. So in your second book, well, technically your third book, the one you wrote with your brother.
1: Oh, yeah, that would uh, definitely be the third one. Yeah, that's right.
0: (laughs) Creative (laughs) confidence. These
1: these books take like one to two year chunks of your life, so you don't blur them at all. This was number three,
0: yes. Uh, Well, I loved the book. Um, And in the book, you and your brother argue in favor of the fact that you argue for two things. First, that we lose our creativity or the notion Mm -hmm. that we are all creative at a younger Uh age. And then... Uh, you argue for the fact that creativity is a science and something that you can you can bring back uh-huh. if you practice. Sure. Um, what are some ways that you found uh, are good ways to bring creativity back to people on the business side? Not people that are considered creative, but people that are on the business. Sure.
1: Uh, yeah, it's there in everybody. You know, and my evidentiary proof of that would be kindergarten, right? Yeah. Like, everybody's in creative. Like, me, me, I'm yeah. creative, Right. Yeah. And so uh, in business people, you're not actually kind of bestowing creativity and you're just kind of unburying it, right? And so there's lots of things you can do. Um, one of our favorite things to do is to get people to realize that they're already having creative thoughts, right? So um, if you ask people, it's have kind of a three-step process or whatever, first ask people, when, when during a day might you be most prone to having a creative thought? And, and if they're not sure of that, then what we do is we ask them to be mindful for like a three or four day period of like when did you have creative thoughts, and the, they fall into patterns. Um, you know, in the shower, I think number one answer to that, and I know why: no email in the shower, no, uh, that's it, you know, no Angry Birds, no, no distraction, basically, and so your mind gets to wander, mm. right? In the shower, during my commute, when I go for a walk, whatever. So, so we ask them to first discover that time and then the second step is be super protective of that time right if it's during my commute and say i don't um say i say i have a car commute then don't listen to the radio certainly don't look to listen to you know audio books during that commute because that time is super precious right so protect it right and the third element is capture ideas during that time Right. And so there's the issue in the shower, of course, right? You're in the shower. How am I going to capture it? Well, you know, my brother David, by the way, for me, it's not in the shower. It's first five minutes of the day. But um, if yours is in the shower, do what my brother does. He's got a whiteboard marker in there. Idea comes to him in the shower. He's He's got a glass wall in the shower. He writes it down. It's erasable. What the heck? Right. And so... Um, The great thing about that is it makes people mindful of the fact that, you know what, I do have creative ideas. It's just that the short-term memory in my brain is always dusting and cleaning, and so I'm getting rid of those creative ideas. And so at the end of the day, they say, what was your most creative idea today? It's like, no, didn't have any. Well, you did, You, you forgot about them. And so if you get in this capture mode all the time, and then, you know, you don't look at them all the time, but we would suggest once a week or once every two weeks, then sit down with whatever capture mechanism you've used yeah. and look at all of your ideas. And some of them be terrible. Some of them you won't be able to read your handwriting, by the way, if you write them by hand the way I do, right? But then you realize, wow, I did have a few good ideas and I'm going to do this one, right? And so... It kind of disarms a little of that, like, oh, no, I can't. I don't, I don't come up with creative ideas. Everybody does. It's like everybody dreams. But our brains want to forget our dream. Like, five minutes after you wake up in the morning, most people have forgotten their dreams. It was there. You had these wildly creative dreams, right? If you care about your dreams, you keep a dream journal. People do that. But I care about my creative ideas, and so I keep the, the creativity log. I'm curious what you think. What happens like between childhood, like in kindergarten, when Ooh, everyone sure. wants to draw, everyone has ideas, and adulthood, like what, what is Right, there's a today? bunch of things going on. Um, I think the single biggest thing is you start caring too much what other people think, right? Uh, it tends to happen around the fourth grade um, in, in kids, in American school system, because everybody's a joyful artist yeah. in kindergarten. And then suddenly you realize some people are better than you. Like who cares? Some people are better, you know, because they probably because they draw more. They spend more time on it, right? Um, but you you start caring more. And then there are some physiological things around that same age. This part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, starts to mature. It actually grows in size, and it's kind of the executive center of the brain. Like I'm in charge here. And the nice thing for teachers in public schools is it, it controls behavior a little more, right? Kids start to act a little bit more, quote, like adults. But the bad part is it can tend to suppress creativity. This is why my creative time is first thing in the morning, right? Think about it, at night, your creative brain just runs free. You fly through the neighborhood, you show up at meetings without your clothes on, you know, like crazy <laughs> stuff happens in your dream. And then for me, and other people may have different experience, for me, uh, I feel like that part of my brain, that that executive center, takes a little while to click in in the morning. It's kind of like a teenager, slow to wake up, right? Um, and the, the creative part of my brain has a little bit of momentum still going from my dreams, right? And so that's, I think part of what happens uh, to kids as they grow up. For decades, design has impacted how we live. Now it's beginning to shape how we work. Here at IBM, design thinking has given us a new framework for teaming, for co-creating with our clients and users. It's helping us make decisions faster. And it's keeping humans at the center of everything we do.